0: Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. The Diary of a Teenage Girl is based on Phoebe Glockner's Novel of the same name. Uh, like most teenage girls, Minnie gets is uh, longing for love, acceptance, and a sense of purpose in the world. Minnie. Begins a complex love affair with her mother's boyfriend, the most handsomest man in the world. Uh, and uh, that would be Monroe, uh, played by Alexander Skarsgård. And her mother, by the way, is played by Kristen Wiig. Terrific performances all around in this film. It's set in the 19, 1976 San Francisco. It's sort of the dawn of the punk era, the, the fading of the hippie movement. Uh, there are so many things about this film that are so well-observed, so well-written, and the performances, it is just a joy and an honor to have with us uh, the director of the film, Mario Heller, a writer-director of the film The Diary of a Teenage Girl. Uh, Mario, welcome to Film School.
1: Thank you. Thank
0: you for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. and I, I really, uh, th- I just love your film. Um, it's, it is, it uh, is, as I said uh, in the setup here, that it is, uh, uh, the writing is just superb. The the, the um, development of these characters is uh, just It's a wonderful film. Um, Tell me, I know this film, uh, the project, the genesis of this project goes back to the graphic novel by Phoebe Glockner, um, and from there you sort of fell in love with this. Tell me the story of the sort of the evolution of uh, The Diary of a Teenage Girl.
1: Yeah, it's been a long-term relationship I've had with this project. I think it was eight years ago now that my sister gave me Phoebe's book for Christmas, just as a Christmas present, and I I fell in love with it. I had never seen a portrayal of a teenage girl in a book or in a movie or anything that felt so real to me. It felt so honest and unflinching and brave, and I saw myself in this teenage girl in a way that I had never experienced before, and it was so refreshing. And I remember kind of thinking that it must be how boys feel when they read Catcher in the Rye, Mm. of like, oh, there's my person. There's my teenage hero that i love and feel like is as flawed and everything as i am so i started a i didn't i didn't have any i'd never done anything like this before but i i started the process of trying to get in touch with phoebe and her agents and trying to get the rights to adapt it first to a stage play i i'm a theater actor and came from the theater world first and so i um somehow eventually convinced them that i wasn't totally crazy and that uh, they (laughs) should give me the rights to adapt it into a theatrical play, which I did, and we mounted in New York in 2010. And that was a great experience, and Phoebe came out and watched the play and Mm. loved it, and um, it was a really... it, It was a really creative, wonderful experience for me. And so when it was over, I wasn't quite done with the story. I wasn't quite done with these characters, and I started to conceive it as a film. And then... Then had to figure out how to make a film. So first I had to figure out how to make a play, and that was hard enough. And then I decided to make it even harder and had to figure out how to to actually direct and make a film. This is
0: kind of a this is Lord of the Rings for for you in a way. I mean, this is sort of a trilogy of I you fell in love with a with a yeah. graphic novel. That part of the journey, internal journey for you was to have been exciting and as you said sort of reinforcing your own sense of yourself as as a person and as an artist and and then Definitely. then the playwright part comes in, the play and then the movie. Um that is that is not only is that commitment but there's obviously there's a very visceral connection that you have with this material and and it and it comes through in the film it really does
1: yes yeah, some might call it commitment some might call it insanity but <laughs> yes i was clearly very very dedicated to it. I had never come across material that moved me in the way that this book did. I just felt so compelled to tell this story and to share it in this bigger way.
0: You know, you mentioned it a little bit. Is it, is it the rawness of the, of the story, of the storytelling, of the way it's told? Is it the perspective from the point of view of a, as a 15 or 16 year old uh, girl? What was the Is there a, one single thing in terms of sort of theme that really just is part of why you're so so dedicated you feel so commit or so attached to this. Material. You know, it's
1: funny there isn't really just one thing. I think maybe people assume uh when I say how much I connected to this character that I must have had a similar teenagehood and I really didn't. I did grow up in the Bay Area but much more in the 80s and 90s and um and I didn't have an affair with my mother's boyfriend or anything like <laughs> that. But there there was just a realness and Um, this brutal honesty about what it feels like to be a teenage girl and that teenage girls have sexual thoughts too. I think what we tend to see in media, in books and movies about teenage teenagers in general is that boys are going to be the ones who are thinking about sex who are going to want to have sex The lesson that you get as a girl is that your your job is going to be to withhold your virginity for as long as possible. Mm -hmm. And nobody really talks about what it feels like if you're a teenage girl who is thinking about sex, too. So you end up kind of feeling like a bit of a freak. And I think most girls have this experience. And there's some shame around it. There's a lot of taboo about what you can talk about. And I guess I was just so blown away by Phoebe's book, by how honest it was and how it explored all of the deepest darkest thoughts that a teenage girl might have that are it turns out just as complex as a teenage boy's thoughts um Mm -hmm. and just did it in such an honest way and i fell in love with Minnie. i fell in love with her voice i fell in love with this girl who is not at all perfect but she's really brave and she's also an artist she's an aspiring cartoon cartoonist she wants to draw comic books And as a young artist myself, when I was a teenager, you know, I connected to that part of her that is processing her world through her art and processing the the pain that she's going through, through her drawings. So I connected to her in many ways.
0: I want to remind our listeners, excuse me, we're speaking with Mariel Heller, uh, the director writer. Um, what are the roles? You had more than, I'm just mentioning, screenwriter. No, yeah, yeah that, that,
1: was, I, that was mostly it. Yeah, yeah, I was the screenwriter and director of the film. Yes,
0: and uh, also uh, the teen, uh, the Diary of a Teenage Girl has been nominated, Spirit Awards uh, for, I believe, is it four? Three. Do I have that right? Three. Three, Three. okay. Yeah. So for you as yeah. a uh, first-time, first feature, uh, mm-hmm. as, as director? Or, no. No, um, a screenwriter.
1: Screenplay and yeah. then Belle yeah. Powley yeah. is nominated right. for her performance as uh, Minnie Get.
0: I'm sorry. I, yeah, and, and and Belle and we'll get to Belle and the cast and she is phenomenal in this film, um because uh, I had not seen her uh, before. Again, this is your feature debut, which is it's not yes. really great. Good. <laughs> Good for Thank you. you. Uh, but uh, but casting, obviously, was just tremendously important. Finding someone with the right temperament and just the, the look. She's got... She's just wonderful. Tell us a little bit about how Belle uh, Pauly, the lead in this Plays Many, came into the film. Yeah.
1: It, it was a very tough role to cast. Obviously, I just talked in length about how in love with this character I was and how much I connected with her. So that's a, a, t- a tall order for finding somebody who can fill those shoes. Um, and I had sort of these criteria that felt like it was all contradicting itself. She had to be at once very mature and very immature. She had to be funny and dramatic. She had to be um, able to play like the sexy scenes and then she had to be awkward and teenagery, and she had to have all of these possess all of these qualities all in one person. She had to feel like she was gonna grow up to be a comic book writer, so she had to be a little quirky and anyway. So yeah. I I ended up finding Belle, she's British and I never thought I was not gonna cast an American in this role, but she submitted an audition tape through our shared agency and she was so good and she did an American accent but I didn't even realize she wasn't American in her audition until she got to the end and she recorded a little a little um, personal message to me at the end of her audition tape where she just talked about how much the movie meant to her and how connected she was to this character. And that meant so much to me because it was such a passion project for me that to have somebody else who was also connecting to it in a really real way, it, it meant a lot to me. So we ended up meeting, and anyway, she's she's incredible. And she she was a very accomplished actress, Mostly in theater herself, she's been on the West End and on Broadway, but I like that now. I'm I'm getting credit for discovering her, as though I as though I pulled her from uh, scrubbing toilets in England or something <laughs> like that.
0: <laughs> well, well, let me say that uh, that her performance is there is a a certain energy in her performance. There's this sort of bursting out sort of uh, mm. throughout her her performance. She's She's dying to know more about life. She is just absolutely committed, and th- that's where I think this sort of energy, this uh, this buoyancy of, of if you will, in her performances, that she is all in to find out what life is about. And, absolutely, and 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 it's that, and that's why we root for her. So, in one of the main, one of the many reasons why we root for for her, her for many is she uh, is all in.
1: And Yeah. And, I, well and I think you're you're tapping on to something that we see a lot when we see teenage girls portrayed is they tend to be pretty passive. And she's a very active character. She is she's so curious. She she's longing for love and longing to be touched in a really active way. It's like her skin's on fire. Which I think we can all remember what that felt like Yeah. kind of be bursting into our adulthood, one ed- one foot in childhood, one foot in adulthood, and feeling like our skin is burning with this, these new feelings and these hormones. And I think Belle just embodied that in such a beautiful, vulnerable, and funny way, too. She also really taps into the humor of what it is to be at that age and to have all of those teenage thoughts, which are really kind of absurd when you look
0: back but are really relatable yeah well i mean it is it is the the blessing and curse of youth it then it, it, she embodies yeah. you know the, that 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 yeah. this sort of almost reckless behavior in a way but the ability to kind of reflect on it and not everything turns into and this is one another thing about your film that I, I really love that oftentimes when films uh portray sexuality among young women there's usually some sort of dire consequence or punishment that comes along with it. And this is, God, I mean, the life isn't that way. I mean, this is just such a, it's, it's something regressive and almost fascistic about our portrayal of women in in search of finding themselves in the in, in a sexual or just as people but certainly yeah. when it comes down to the this the sex this this kind of um, puritanical fascism <laughs>
1: that comes along with we do with it. we have this moralistic desire to punish women especially women who step out of bounds for some reason in our storytelling and we just don't do the same thing for young men no and it it's not to say that she's you know Running around without any emotional consequences, or not feeling right. the pain of her life, because she is very much feeling, you know, the pain of all of this. But yes, she's not. It's this isn't a morality tale. She's not ruined. This by- is this is not the Crucible,
0: right? No, or you know, no. I mean, there's or you know, the Scarlet Letter or something. I mean, this is no. this is real, and that's what makes it such a compelling film. Is and- is.
1: Go ahead. And that's what most of real life is, right? We we make mistakes and we have emotional scars, but we we're not yeah, we're not doomed to a life of being punished because we made some mistakes as teenagers.
0: Right. Exactly. And uh, okay, let me get to the rest of the cast cuz I just there's so many things I want to talk to you about your film, the the, the Diary of a Teenage Girl. We're speaking with Mario Heller, she's the writer, screenwriter and director of the film Three times Spirit Award nominee, uh, celebrated by uh, among the uh, the elite clit- critical class. Right, I mean ninety four percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, the film has gotten just tremendous reaction and well deserved. Uh, you have Alexander Skarsgård and Kristen Wiig and Christopher maloney who is wonderful in a relatively yeah. small part but i always love he's one of those great actors that doesn't get enough work as far as i'm concerned he really is good and whatever he's he is
1: so good and he's so good in this film and he shows up pretty late in the film but i think he's a, sort of a nice surprise he plays minnie's former stepfather and right he's just kind of yeah he's he's hilarious he's great Adds much needed levity
0: yeah well, there's there's levity but there's, there anyway, there's levity, but yeah. there's there's anyway uh it'd be Remiss to not mention uh, um, Kristen Wiig as his her mother as Minnie's mother Charlotte, and then of course Monroe, uh, played by Alexander Skarsgard. The two of Alexander them, Alexander
1: Skarsgard, yeah, who gives just one of the bravest performances I think of any actor ever. He just took on this role with no judgment and and brings to life this guy who it would be very easy to villainize, but we we were very consciously not trying to tell a black and white story. We were trying to humanize all of these people and not moralize about it and he just makes this character of Monroe who at times you hate but you we're seeing it through Minnie's eyes and she's in love with him so we have to see the things that she loves and he's this sort of goofy uh hapless guy who's sort of floating along in life and Sort of like a big man child, Um, yeah. And he just his performance is incredible.
0: He is. He is incredible. He's he's likable even when he's not particularly. His actions aren't likable. He he. And I I again one of the things I think in terms of temperament of the film. The, it, there's not these wild swings in terms of the characters, and and the, we don't suddenly see this monster, of, uh, you know, out of nowhere for no particular reason come out. Right. Throughout it, right. he's trying to figure this out. He's trying, he's also got issues. He's seen, as you mentioned, I mean, he's a Arrested development kind of guy. Is He has yeah. some alcohol issues. There's some things going on in his life he hasn't figured out. Uh, and we talked,
1: yeah, we talked about, all of the characters the main characters of this movie sort of being emotionally 15 that Minnie is clearly 15 but that Monroe and Charlotte her, her mother and her mother's boyfriend are also sort of these 15 year olds who are trying to figure their lives out who are struggling with all of the same insecurities and senses of self and looking for love and everybody's sort of on their coming of age journey um, yeah. and Minnie is the only one who makes any progress on that journey
0: boy does she I mean, she yeah. she really. I, I love the opening, and I don't want to give too much away. I love the uh, the opening couple of, of minutes, uh, inter- our introduction of uh, many and her story. Uh, we, you don't hold back. I mean, throughout the film, you continue <laughs> to give us all kinds of uh, jarring, you know, sort of perspectives on uh, women's sexuality. Certainly, young women like uh, like many, uh, and um, but always feels it's always fun. I mean, there's almost yeah, always a, an element of, uh, com, you know, kind of a. Uh, we want to be with Minnie on this in the on her. Well, because energy.
1: when we go through things when we're teenage teenagers, they are fun. Even if they might, when we look back, we might realize they were dangerous. Usually, we were having fun when we were doing the most dangerous things, right? Right. So yeah, yeah. yeah we start the movie. I guess maybe most movies made about this subject matter would have, you know, waited until. Uh, 30 minutes in before something would have actually happened between Minnie and Monroe but the very first line of the movie is I had sex today <laughs> holy <laughs> uh, and so yeah. you know, we we've started and it's already begun yeah. um and it kind of goes from there and but it is that feeling the opening scene and what I really wanted to convey was this feeling of what it feels like when you when you've lost your virginity and you're looking around at the world and thinking like so does everything look different now? Can everyone tell? Can everyone see that I look different? And just this feeling of like, she's so happy. She feels like the world has just opened up to her and she's kind of like strutting through Golden Gate Park feeling like a total badass because she's... Had right. Sex
0: one time, right? And by the way, with a wonderful soundtrack all the way through, I'm, I'm glad to see. Was that the next? Is that the film or is that the song that we open with? What's the artist? It's Dwight
1: Twilly. Oh, Dwight Twilly, yeah. Magic, yeah, okay, yeah.
0: And then there's some Mott the Hoople in here, which is always yep. a big fan of. Oh, some good stuff. Some just in terms of conveying kind of the the music that conveys the, the situation and how how the characters are feeling. Um, yeah, I, I want to and i we're kind of I'm going to get to some of these scenes. That uh, I think that the the scenes with um, Bell and and Alexander Belle Polly and Alexander Skarsgård are right. wonderful, and I just one or two that I want to sort of highlight for people who are going to see this film, or have maybe already seen it, um, and that is the the point in in which they have this sort of moment in which Alexander calls out many on her what she's trying to do to as as says in the in the scene manipulate the situation mm-hmm. the look on Bell's face when he says that really was uh, in, a remarkable moment in the film for me because it's at that point in my mind when Belle realizes that there's a lot more that she doesn't know that she yeah. she's saying things from her she's reacting to the situation she's gonna basically call out Monroe and when Monroe throws back in her face I will not be I don't want to say too much because I don't want to give away the scene but uh, the look on her face is holy crap I didn't re- I didn't know all this stuff and now it's like a real I'm in over my head, I'm in over my yeah. head. Yeah. I love that scene I love that about their dynamic oh, and their good. relationship I just thought this summarizes their relationship in just a such a wonderful way of conveying that.
1: Well, we talked about, you know, the times in their relationship where they're emotionally matched, where they're both sort of 15, and then the times when their age difference becomes really pronounced, and I think that's the scene that we talked about it being the most pronounced, where it's very clear that he's an adult and she's a child, and and she's in over her head, what, and it? there are things she doesn't know about how, about the... And in some ways, she's kind of holding down the more pure, innocent kind of perspective that maybe is more correct, and he's coming at things with so much more baggage. Right. So there's sort of an interesting dynamic happening status-wise between the two of them. Well, and what
0: I also like about it in the film, and this is true of Charlotte, who's Kristen Wiggs character, that at, there are times when when even though they are literally arrested development you know, adults, yeah. um, they are able to rise to that sort of adult role periodically, sort of in flashes of moments of knowing that this is how they should be. (laughs) This is more or less how they should be. They just choose not to be. But then there are moments when they are. And I just, I love that about this film. The the nuances. don't you
1: remember being a teenager and feeling like having this realization that all of the adults around you don't actually know what they're doing? Yeah. And you kind of look around and go, hold on. You don't actually know more than me about how the world works? And then when an adult then tries to like play their power position or their status to you and it's so disconcerting yeah. especially you know charlotte's character in the movie kristen Wiggs' character in the movie she's a young mom who had kids when she was a teenager and she basically is doing cocaine and partying with them and she's one of those like doesn't really want to be a mom cool mom right and so you know you look at her and you go wait you're my role model right. you're my adult how's this gonna work
0: and and that's what Belle understands, or that's why I should say, Minnie understands. She understands Comes this intuitively. Yeah. And, and and there, I want to let people or point out to people who are going to see the, the uh, Diary of a Teenage Girl that the the handshake that Christopher that uh, Pascal introduces to yeah. Minnie becomes. Keep remember that remember that because I think that that uh, it will you will, when you see it later on in the film. it's just it's uh, kind of a nice arc. There's a beautiful yeah. arc to that to that yes, moment thank you yeah it's just so many things uh before i let you go real quick uh the um the look of the film i, I love the cinematography in it
1: let's oh beautiful make- job brandon trost our cinematographer who's known for doing giant movies big comedies things like the interview and um he does a lot of movies with Seth that sets rogan and evan goldberg and he's a uh, Not as known for his little indies, but he just is an incredible artist and did such a gorgeous job.
0: Oh, he, re- this, um, he really captured the the feel of the. You're, you're a part of this as well, but capturing the, that mid-70s San Francisco scene as, as the hippie movement was fading and the totally. pumpkin was coming in. Um, that's a beautiful look, but in conjunction with the design of the film, the look, that apartment that they live in, my God, that is straight oh out gosh. of the 70s.
1: We had the most, um, considering how little money we had, we had the most incredible people working on this film who were so dedicated. Everybody was working on this movie because they loved it. Jonah Markowitz, who's our production designer, just intuitively understood that all of our decisions, all of our creative decisions had to be character-based. That apartment is just oozing with Charlotte's (laughs) personality and Minnie's personality, her bedroom. I'm really proud of the room we created because I feel like I have a pet peeve where Teenage girls' rooms and movies never look like a real teenage girls' room. Um, and I just f- feel like uh, we nailed that. We nailed the actual feeling of what a teenage girls' room really would look like.
0: Yeah, definitely. A couple other people to point out, and I won't even try to say Sarah's last name, so please help me out.
1: <laughs> Sarah Gunnestadter. Thank you. She's our animator who's Icelandic but lives in New York and is an incredible animator who hand drew every frame of animation of this movie. I,
0: I we really haven't talked enough about the your ability to meld the that animation in with the storyline and just beautifully done uh really remarkable in that regard. And Thank you. and some guy named Nate Heller. I, I'm not sure who we
1: should should, should <laughs> yes, <is> the my <laughs> brother, our incredible composer who um, wrote all of this music that sounds like seven real 70s tunes yeah. throughout the film. Yeah filled in our our whole soundtrack but also did the score for the film and did did just an incredible job it, this was a, a family affair and i'm just lucky that my family is as talented as they are well, okay. my my sister-in-law was also our costume designer carmen grande who just did such an amazing job too and nailed the look and tells a total emotional story of all of our characters throughout by their
0: costumes, yeah, that that, that high waisted jean look—it was brought took me mm-hmm. back a little bit to yeah, high waisted <laughs> jeans and turtlenecks, turtlenecks definitely. And um, and we'd be remiss if we didn't mention that the Phoebe Glockner and and the the, the work her, that she's done over the years, part of that sort of. R. crumb um era of well she wasn't
1: yeah. actually she was she was looking up to our crumb and alien kaminsky as her inspirations when she was a teenager in san right. francisco right. and she's just the most incredible artist her work is so bold it's been her 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 books she has this book the diary of a teenage girl and she has a child's life and she is just such a brave artist who has really pushed the envelope with her work for years. Well, I, and I just feel so lucky that she let me yeah. take on her movie, her book and turn it into a movie. It was just so, so generous of her.
0: Another example of the collaboration that you have been able to forge with so many people and uh, having Kristen as part of the film I know that probably from a financial perspective and also artistically but financially that must have been a big help to get this film made some definitely seven, yeah it was
1: uh, huge I, it was she was who i wanted creatively more than anything but it also really did help make the movie a reality
0: well it's great to see her in anything and i'm, I'm glad on on a, sort of another uh point that she is forging her own uh artistic vision with some of the work she's been a part of welcome to me is just you know amazing. she's making
1: brave choices yes, you know she's she is. not she's not living within the world of what everyone would love her to do you know she's much more interested in what's going to feed her creatively and I think you know that's why I was so proud of the work she does in this movie I think her performance is really immersive you don't see you almost don't see Kristen Wiig in it you see she just feels like a woman who stepped out of the 70s Yeah, that your friend's mom you knew who did coke with you all like she's (laughs) just she just feels like somebody you know
0: I know well, I thank you so much for uh, for your thank time you. today, the, uh, and and all the best in the Spirit Award uh, and moving forward. I, I can only I can only imagine that you have lots and lots of projects being hurled at you as we speak. Uh, I'm and, happy uh, that I do. Uh, yes. yes, good. That's great. Well, come back. Talk to me about about the next one. I, I can't wait for it to come out. Um, and the the writer director Muriel Heller. Uh, the film is. Uh, The Diary of a Teenage Girl.
1: And it's out on DVD and iTunes and everything now. You can rent it. You can buy it. There's lots of DVD commentaries. It's great. (laughs) Oh, good. So who are the commentaries?
0: Besides yourself, who else is commentary? Me,
1: Bell, and Alexander Skarsgård sat down and did the commentary, which is great. And there's deleted scenes and there's behind the scenes little featurette we did so that's oh. a lot of fun
0: well wonderful and congratulations thank and i you. and i can't wait to see your next film uh mariel heller thank you so much for being on film school
1: thank you take care Bye.
0: bye